this week. We haven't put the <coughs> previous sermon outlines or just the topic actually <coughs> in the bulletin because we tried to fit the outline for this morning in. Um, we've looked at no, we're looking at knowing the Lord, knowing God. It's the most important thing. You read Ecclesiastics, <coughs> the last two verses of chapter 11 and verse 1 of chapter 12. It is the most important thing and the last verse of Ecclesiastics as well. Yeah, this is the whole duty of man. That's what it says, <laughs> to know God. And uh, we've been looking at knowing God through salvation We've looked at repentance, a change of mind and direction, regeneration, a change of nature. Nicodemus must be born again. Redemption, a change of position. We're in prison, now we've been released and at liberty. Reconciliation, a change of relationship. We were enemies and now we're friends of God. Conversion, a change of life complete change of life <clears throat> adoption that we looked at last week a change of family change of status children of the king <laughs> of kings not just a king <laughs> the king of kings and so <clears throat> we we move forward this morning into our new outline for today Salvation, continuing in that, how to know God. <clears throat> sanctification, if you want to fill that out. Sanctification, a change of behavior. <clears throat> this is what we all should be doing. This should be happening to all of us who name the name of Christ. If it's not happening, there's something wrong. It's like having no engine in a car. The only, thing, the only place it'll go is downhill. <laughs> and an unsaved person's gone downhill at a fast rate of knots heading toward the end of the road where there is a big gully. <laughs> and they're headed to destruction. I pray that you're not on that road, that you're on the narrow road that leads to life. Have salvation. And, <clears throat> and then we are being sanctified. Now, what does it mean to be sanctified? I think we've put that in there. Yes, just under that. To be set apart, to be taken and given a new position. You're set apart for God. You think of the Old Testament. And right through the Old Testament, sanctification was happening. Different words is used, but it's the word holiness. And you think of people that needed to be holy to do something for the Lord. Who were they, particularly? The priests. The priests in the Old Testament. The tribe of Levi set apart and went to own, well, they owned portions around cities, but they didn't own a block of, I mean, a state, in other words. They didn't have, like, Benjamin and Judah and all the others had plots of land, and, and in the future they'll have a different plot. There, Israel just sliced like that. You read it in the book of Ezekiel. In the old times, they were sort of all odd shapes from different towns, and if you had a map of the old towns, you could write the map. But uh, <clears throat> they were given that, the priests were given that portion and the people were to support the priests in giving toward the ministry to give the animal sacrifices and everything that the priests lived on. 
and the priests could grow their own veggies, <laughs> their vegetable plots. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> they were holy. They were set-apart people. They were set-apart tribe. There was a set-apart family in the Old Testament too that God took and chose. What was it? Who was the head of that tribe? I mean, family. Aaron. <clears throat> Aaron, the, the high priest there that was given that position and, and all that went on. And when they didn't do it right, when they were not sanctified and set apart, God's hand come down quick. God hasn't changed, you know. That should speak to us about how we walk with the Lord, how separate and set apart we are from the world. Uh, <clears throat> and this is, this is a theme right through the New Testament. Once one becomes a Christian, then the sanctification process happens. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word that gives us these instructions that as believer priests today... We need to be set apart. We need to do that which is holy and acceptable in your sight. And Lord, when we trifle and mess with evil and sin, we taint the name of Christ. We bring disrepute upon the church and the King of Kings, the Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, that we would be earnest about our Christian life and in this wicked world in which we live, that we would stay away from that which would drag us down and, and give your name a bad name. Lord, bless the word as it goes forth today. Those that are here, those that can't be here, and those that are listening in, may a blessing be all of ours as we read the word and, and, and are encouraged by the Spirit of God to do the word. And bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Let's go, first of all, to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. And you might like to... Just underline the word sanctify where you find it in the groups of verses that we read today. And, well, you don't, you've got it in the bulletin, though, I think, most of the verses that we'll be looking at. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. This is positional sanctification. This is when we became a Christian. So there's three aspects to Sanctification being positionally set apart, taken and removed from where we were. Progressively, we are moving toward being like the Lord Jesus Christ, from glory to glory. And then one day, permanently, body, soul and spirit all sanctified. <laughs> and we all look for that day, don't we? Usually when we've got problems... You know why God brings problems in our life? <laughs> to sanctify us, <laughs> to make us more like his son, the Lord Jesus, and that we might be progressively, but only God can do the permanent one. And that's a miracle in itself, as we'll see today. Well, 1 Corinthians, I'm not there yet. I've been talking. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9 through to 11. <clears throat> Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, or adulterers, effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor... Th did you just read that? <laughs> we did just read that. What's happened in our parliament lately? Wow. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor 
revilers nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are washed. But ye are sanctified. There is the word. You're set apart. We, we were, now we're not there anymore. We're set apart. We're washed. What are we seeing that song? Washed in the blood of the Lamb. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice these words we've been in this passage before because we've been looking at a different word. We're looking at sanctifying here. And so <clears throat> this word sanctify there is the time that we were taken from that place we were at. We were there. We were all there. And we've been taken and set apart when we by faith believed on the Lord Jesus. Let's go to Hebrews and see another Reference to positional sanctification. This is only a few of the multitude of ones that could be chosen on being set apart in salvation. We're looking at Hebrews now, chapter 10 and verse 10. Where we read this. By which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Redeemed by, washed in the blood, remember what we just read. For every priest standeth daily ministering and offering often the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. All those Old Testament sacrifices could never wash away the sins. They could cover until Calvary, then they could be taken away. But this man, in verse 12, after he had offered one sacrifices for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God <clears throat> through by verse 10 by which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ we cannot save ourselves for by grace are you saved through faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ so that's positional sanctification let's go to progressive and this is where we'll spend most of our time today because this is what we are to be doing being sanctified let's go to the Lord's Prayer, as Bernie titled it, in John chapter 17 that we read this morning. Not reading all those verses again, but reading at verse 17, verse 15, sorry. <clears throat> I pray, pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou should keep them from the evil. This is the Lord praying for us. That prayer... In that prayer that the Lord prayed there, he was praying for us today as well. And everyone that will believe until the Lord comes. He, and his prayer was that he should keep us from the evil in this world. That is his children. He wants them to be different and kept from the evil. They are not of this world, even as I am not of the world, said the Lord Jesus. Sanctify them through thy truth. How important is it to live the Christian life and to know the word of God. We have to know the word of God to live a sanctified life. Um, <clears throat> sanctify them through the truth. The truth is the word and we've got to be sanctified by it. And if we don't read the word, we're not being sanctified. How often should we be in the word then? Every day. That's right. Every day we should be in the word so that we're being set apart, sanctified, becoming more like the Lord. I like the old, uh, old Enoch. <laughs> He heard there was a flood coming when his son Methuselah was born. It so moved him 
that this flood could happen at any time, although it was specified to Noah how long it would be, 120 years, <coughs> that he started living very godly. He lived so godly that the Lord said, well, you need to come up here. <laughs> he so become like the Lord. That's what the Lord wants us to be like. I believe the Lord takes home early those who are progressively being sanctified in a big way. You have a look. Remember the three missionaries over there that were way, way back? <laughs> and they were trying to reach the uh, was it Orca, Orca Indians. And in, in the aeroplane, they landed on the creek, on the, on the river there, and they, got, they all got martyred. They lived such a short life, but what sort of impact did they have? <laughs> He said they were committed, they were sanctified, they were set apart. God used them. So, if you want to die early, live godly. <laughs> I don't know about that theory, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because, you, and you read history of young people that were, people that in their 20s that went home early, they've had a mighty influence on the world. They were living godly, not the ones that live ungodly. So, Jesus' prayer is that we would be sanctified and must move. <laughs> Romans 12, let's not turn there, but let's re recall the words. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable and perfect will of God. That's sanctification. In The word sanctify is not there, but holy is. And it's there. So Paul, Jesus prayed for this sanctific progressive sanctification. Paul pleaded for us to be sanctified. And the Spirit's purpose is for our sanctification. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17. 2 Corinthians 3.17 <clears throat> This is what the Spirit is doing. This is why he comes knocking at our heart's door. This is why he, that still small voice of God through the word of God often is in our heart and mind. So this is 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17. Now the Lord is that Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is there is liberty. But we all with open face behold as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of God. This is what he's wanting us to do. Changed into his image. Can you remember that? Can you remember doing those things way back? Maybe we should do them one day again changed into his image in the series that's been put together on that and that's what God's purpose is that's what God wants us to do he wants us to become a spitting image of his son the Lord Jesus in all the way we think the things we do the things we love the things we aim toward he wants us to be like that um, <clears throat> the spirit's purpose is to move us from glory to glory as it, as it reads there in verse 17 <clears throat> the spirit of liberty to open our eyes from to the glory of God that we might be changed into that same image from glory to glory 
Let's look at Ephesians now, chapter 5 and verse 26. If you can't keep up with the references, just listen in. Chapter 5 and verse 26. The Lord talking about the church here and how it's his wife, the Lord Jesus' wife, the bride and the bridegroom. And he, his purpose for that bride, that he might, in verse 26, sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Again, the word comes up. How important is reading the Bible? How important is memorizing the scripture? How important is meditating on the scripture to the Christian? Very important. For without that, we're not being sanctified. The washing of water by the word, that he might present it, the church, to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. You've got sanctify, holy and blemishless there in, that, in those scriptures. This is what God wants us to be. This is Christ's plan for his beloved, for his church, for those he's drawn apart for himself, set apart for himself. That's what the Spirit does. That's what Christ is doing. And let's, let's look now at Peter's presentation of this sanctification process all of the all of the writers of the new testament expanded on the thought of us being set apart first peter chapter 1 this is first peter chapter 1 and verse 14 through to 16 we read this as obedient children not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance but as he who hath called you is Holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. That's what God wants. He wants us to walk down here in a wicked world in a holy manner, sanctified lives, progressively becoming more like Him. It's like an apprentice when he starts his apprenticeship, he's not of much value to the boss unless he's had a lot of training before somewhere but he learns and then he becomes more and more proficient in what he understands and how things work in that area in that field <clears throat> and so he's of great value the Lord Jesus saves us and progressively we become more like him more holy and righteous and more thinking the way he thinks and the, the trouble is we get get to the end of our life and we're getting just getting there and then we're taken home. It'd be good to be like Methuselah and have people live on for a long time who are living sanctified lives, wouldn't it? To set that example that these people have grown in the Lord and you ask them a question, they can give an answer because they're studied in the Word of God proficient. <clears throat> they're students of the Word and living it in their own life. And, and don't you or haven't you seen someone, maybe when you were younger, who was older, who was uh, a sanctified saint and living a holy life and, and you respected their word, you know, you, you heard them, they, they usually had silver grey hair and uh, they were aged and they were, you know, they'd lived their life and, and outwardly it seems there was no blemishes and you can say, you know, what did they do that I should do that I might be like them when I get to their age? <laughs> That God wants people like that in the in the church and fellowship that they might be setting that example. Second Peter chapter two, uh, chapter one, and verse three to twelve, 
And there's a whole series of messages on this one that we did in the evening class, I mean, evening services once. What was that? Uh, not changed into his image, but anyway, you've all forgotten it. We must do it again. <laughs> and so have I. It's got a, it, and they use just these por this portion of scripture to do about 16 messages on. Uh, <clears throat> we read there in verse 3, according as his divine powers given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called us to glory and virtue by which are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, give all diligence. Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance. What do you sense is being told to us here? Move forward, grow, don't stagnate. And to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar, afar off and hath forgotten he was purged from his old sins. This talking about a backsliding Christian, I think, isn't it? He's forgotten that he was saved from, uh, set apart, sanctified from the world and he's just living for himself. Wherefore, rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. <laughs> How to become a strong Christian? Be sanctified. Be set apart. Now get, let's go to the, the big chapter on this. It's chapter 6 of Romans. <laughs> chapter 6 of Romans is the one that Paul dealt with it. And uh, for, for those that... Uh, did some memorization of books of the Bible, the New Testament of the Bible. <laughs> this is where we started, wasn't it? How many years ago was that? 20, 30, add 10. <laughs> A lot of years ago where some men started and you know what, ver what chapter we did memorize first was this one because it's the priority one. It's the one that we need to memorize and Hide in our heart and meditate upon the Romans, I mean Corinthians, chapter 6, Romans, chapter 6. <clears throat> and there's, a, there's an outline given there that you can follow through. There's three steps here. First of all, we need to know some things in verses 1 to 10. <coughs> Believers must, be, must know, first of all, that you've been crucified with Christ verses 1 to 3 as we're baptized into the name of Christ now this is spirit baptism that Paul is speaking about here and physical baptism is a picture of that so you've been crucified with Christ and now you identify with him by going down under the water and coming up again and then <clears throat> you must know that you've been resurrected with Christ. In verse 4, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, we also should walk in newness of life. So what is he saying? We were saved, we're identified with his death, 
were buried, we rose again to newness of life. We're walking a now sanctified life, resurrected with Christ. And we, or you and I, are both now dead and alive. In verses 6 through to 7, this is just a quick overview of this. Verse 6 and 7, we are dead to our sins. We are dead to sin. Don't put your hand up because we're not... We don't have a confessional up here. You know where I'm going, don't you? <laughs> we don't have a confessional with a cloth. You can't see me. <laughs> and I'm not, a, I'm not a priest, but a believer priest. <laughs> and so are you. And <clears throat> you don't have to come up and confess, but who, who sinned this week? Don't put your hand up. Who sinned, <laughs> who sinned this week? Who, who sinned sometimes, many times, um, um, you see? <laughs> ah, and why did we sin? Because we didn't count ourselves or reckon ourselves dead to sin. I can't do that anymore. I'm a Christian. You see, you have to say, reckon. You have to do a bit of an accounting. Get your calculator out and punch in your Christian account uh, uh, calculator and say, what should a Christian do? Not sin, not sin, not sin. So when the temptation comes, you say, I can't sin because I'm a Christian. You can because you've got an old nature if you yield to that. But <clears throat> you should not sin. We're dead to sin. How, how many dead people have you seen do a sinful act? None. <laughs> it's not possible. And that's what God, the, Paul is trying to emphasise here. You know, it's not possible, but it is possible. <laughs> It's when we yield, as the rest of the chapter talks about, to the old nature that we sin. Because we've been crucified with Christ, we're dead to sin. So we're dead to sin, but in verses 8 to 10, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall live with him. We're alive to the Saviour. So now, being sanctified progressively, we're doing what he wants us to do. We're listening to his commands. We're obeying what he desires of, of us, not what we desire of, our, of ourselves, not what we do to please ourselves. I remember <clears throat> way back when the Lord moved me to go to college and, and then into ministry. Yeah, I'd, I'd lived on where a lot of people would like to live on a farm. You know, farmers appreciate the open space you've got. <laughs> but I knew the cost. You've got to go where the people are if you're going to do ministry. And they're not hanging around our farm. They're in the city. <laughs> and the first year was absolute torment when I moved into the city. It was in a little block. It wasn't even a block of land. It was a flat a unit above John Ball's shop. Some of you know it. <laughs> Some of you might have lived there. But it's a noisy place, terrible. But this is where the Lord wants me. This is where the Lord has me. So my change was not out to go out there away, but in there. And even when I got to Albury and, that, and lived in the house there, there's one on uh, the other side of the street, there was houses, and on the other side of that was cows. Oh, here I'm mooing, <laughs> you know. But that's what not, life is not about that. It's about people, eternal matters, and being set apart for that. 
alive to the Saviour and what he would have. He spent his time with people, ministering to people. Sanctified completely, was he not? So alive to the Saviour and the things that he wants us to do. In that he died, he died to sin once, but in the liveth, he liveth unto God, and so would a Christian. And then step two, moving slowly but getting there. We need to know those three things. Being crucified with Christ, you have been resurrected with Christ, you and I have been both dead and alive. Dead to sin, alive to the Saviour. Reckon is verse 11, right in the middle here. Likewise, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive to God. And this is, we've already really mentioned this, haven't we? Reckon is an accounting term. It's reckoning, adding it up. When you've got it all in a row and counted it, we are to count our crucifixion and resurrection as accomplished events. And so doing, we will not be tempted to sin. We will have the victory over sin, over Satan, and over self and what we would like to do with our lives. And then step three, yield. And this is something we all need to do, verses 12 to 23. There's a wrong kind of yielding in verses 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. Neither yield ye your members, in all these hands, fingers, eyes, nose, whatever, as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. There's the wrong kind of yielding, and what's the right kind of yielding? Yielding to God, saying, it's yours, you do with it what you will. And so <clears throat> there's the confusion that's mentioned in verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. There should be no confusion about that. And the, the trouble is, the church today there's a book, Grace Awakening, that somebody wrote. Wow, we can do anything. Hey, that's not Grace Awakening. That's an abuse of grace, if you can say we can do anything. Because the Bible says right here, God forbid that we do what we want to do with our bodies which are his. God forbid. Uh, just because we're under grace and not under law, yeah, you can do it, but you're sinning. You're disappointing the Saviour. It's not what he wants in, in our lives. So there really shouldn't be confusion when we read, God forbid. The correction is in verse 15. As we say, God forbid. And down to verse 18, know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. Matter yielding. Who has been through a yield, it's called give way sign and cop the consequences in your car anyone? Huh. I thought there'd be less someone, okay <laughs> thanks for being honest <laughs> I went through a give way and didn't have the right of way and the other fellow ploughed in the side of you Jill was going home from Awana way back at Calvary days taking kids home I was driving the church bus and she didn't go she didn't go through a stop sign she had the right of way and the other guy went through a stop sign and that was the finish of the car little purple car purple car anyway 
There's a little Tarana, LJ. That was the end of the car. You, you, and, and he got up in court, and because he said he was going to the Scouts, he got off. And he's only on pea plates. Anyway, <laughs> we'll leave that with the Lord. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> you don't go through a give way or a stop sign without consequences. And when we as Christians fail in the give way and the stopping in our life as a Christian to sin, stopping, give way, we're going to have an accident. <laughs> we're going to end up pranging our Christian life. And all sorts of trouble come from that. And, and, and consequences that are ongoing for the rest of your life, usually. Think it, well, let's ask the question, when did David have a big prang, spiritually speaking, with Bathsheba? And what was the rest of his life? Sorry, paying for the price of that spiritual accident. He yielded to the flesh. And we've all got the potential. You know, because you, you know what you've thought this week. You know what you've done wrong this week. See, this is the most important thing of our Christian life, is being sanctified, progressively growing to be like the Lord. And when a man thinketh he standeth, what does the Bible say? Amen. Take heed lest he fall. When you think, well, I've arrived. You know, I'm on plane top, top level. <laughs> Bang. Pride, that's sin, isn't it, too? <laughs> and comes crashing down. There's the right kind and the wrong kind of yielding. The co confusion, the correction, the challenge in verse 13 and, and 14, as it's given in the last part of verse 13 and 14, sin, sin shall not have dominion over you. Yield your members as tools of righteousness for the glory of God, and you will be rewarded for eternity. <laughs> You will be. It's the promise of God. And the conclusion of it all, and we really haven't time to, but just go through that chapter 6 and underscore yield, yield, yield. Yield to God. And the conclusion is verse 23, for the wages of sin is, even as a Christian, we can sin, and the wages of it is death. There are consequences in life, and there's a loss of reward out into eternity. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. <clears throat> uh, God's got a great plan and he set it all out in his word for us. Yes, we can finish. <laughs> P permanent sanctification. I thought we might have been out of time. This pro positional, progressive. <clears throat> and in that progressive sanctification, notice... 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You know, <clears throat> when God starts a work, he's going to finish it. He's, Tony had it in the adult class. What's the word he was using? As far as the kings of the world are concerned, he, cosmos, sovereignty, yeah, sovereignty and other words like that. There was another word that he was, oh, there you are, Tony, <laughs> he was using, but it, God is in control. Even if we as Christians do not do what he wants us to do, he's going to have his way, you know. 
And it only gets more painful for us if we say, no, I'm not yielding. <laughs> he keeps putting the pressure on, turning the heat up until we do yield. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, I think hints at this. <clears throat> and, ev- and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. That's his plan. Before he takes you to heaven, he wants you to get you, get you sanctified. And I pray your whole spirit, your soul, and your body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The whole of you, body, soul, and spirit, triparted being as we are, be preserved blameless. God will do it. Notice the next verse. Faithful is he that calleth you. What did it say then? Who will also do it? How's he doing it right now in your life? <laughs> what is he doing to you to bring you to that point of holiness? To be like and changed into the image of his son. What is he doing? He doesn't stop doing it. He might give it a break for a while, but he comes back at it in a different angle from a different perspective. To make us more like the Lord, like his son. <clears throat> Whether you like it or not, you can look at Hebrews 12, 11. It talks about chastisement there. That's what he does. He takes us to the woodshed. If we're not going to yield and we're not going to give way to him, then he'll take us to the woodshed. And you know what happens in the woodshed. I know where the woodshed was at our place, but we don't have woodsheds anymore. <laughs> but we still have a woodshed, don't we? <laughs> and he takes us to the there with the strap, or with the discipline, the chastisement, as it speaks in that chapter 12 of Hebrews. No chastisement is pleasant. Better to yield than to be chastised. Well, let's go to 1 John chapter 3. This is the wonder of it all, that one day we'll be permanently sanctified. Permanently set apart. No more sin, no more temptation, no more Satan and self. 1 John chapter 3. Behold, in verse 1, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself. Sanctified, pure, pure, even as he is pure. How pure was the Lord Jesus Christ? Absolute purity. Not a sin. And that's what the Lord is aiming at. Body, soul and spirit. Completely sanctified. Permanently sanctified. Never able to sin again. Looking forward to that day? No more temptation to sin. <laughs> no more sinning ignorantly either. Well, we do that a lot. We don't know we're doing it in our thoughts and actions. 1 Corinthians 15. <clears throat> Those two, the other two major portions is 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 Thessalonians 4. So 1 Corinthians 15, and the last part of those, that chapter in verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die, but we shall be changed in the moment, 
in a twinkling of an eye. The word changed is what all these lessons are about. Changed into his image. In a moment, in a twinkling of eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we who are still alive shall be changed. For this corruptible, this mortal, we all have a body, we're here today, must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? This is what we've looked at last week as a redemption of the body. That is still going to happen. That's to do with adoption that we looked at last week. And <clears throat> this will happen one day, and we won't have time to plan for it either. Because it's said in a twinkling, it's not a wink, not a winkling of an eye, it's a twinkling, the vibrations of the eye. It's... It's very fast. And you think, well, I'll have time to do something. I don't, I, just as my, the way I think is, when I boil a kettle at home, before I put on, I put the lid on. So the house doesn't burn down if the rapture happens in that twinkling. <laughs> Crazy thinking, but uh, it's going to be like that. I don't, who cares about the house? <laughs> but, it might, be a, it might be a place for some of the people who get saved to go find some books and, and read something of truth after we're gone. But the redemption of the body, permanent sanctification, who's looking forward to it? A couple of us. <laughs> I think all of us are waiting for that time. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. Thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through whom? The Lord Jesus Christ. And the other one reference we close with this one is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This is familiar territory to most of you, but just putting it all together, we are doing a systematic study of theology on sanctification. That's what this and each one of these are. We're heading to where? 1 Thessalonians 4. And verse 13, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them who are asleep. What are they? They're dead. Dead Christians. And they were having a problem in Thessalonica. Well, what happens to the dead people? Some of us have died. Well, Paul sent this letter to them, and this is the answer to their question, that ye sorrow not even as others who have no hope, non-Christians. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also who sleep, who have died in Christ, in Jesus, will God bring with him. That means we're absent from the body, we're present with the Lord when we die, and the Lord will bring them, souls and spirits, with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them who are asleep. You're not going to go before them who have died, because the Lord will bring them with him, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and they'll have that immortal body that's spoken of in our last portion of Scripture. And they'll be re the complete being from then. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore... He said to these Thessalonians, comfort one another with these words. It's not sad that they died. They've gone to a place 
waiting for the Lord to come and bring them with him to a resurrected body. Um, <clears throat> it's so fast. It happens so fast. We emphasised that before. Some have said, you know, those who don't believe in this, you're going to have to elbow them on the way up. But it'll be so fast that you won't have time. But, but wait a minute. But wait a minute. One day with the Lord is as a thousand years. And the Lord could have us enjoy the pleasure of being changed in that way. Can't he? I mean, it's not in the Bible. That's just theology jokeable. <laughs> but, but we could enjoy that. Because that time aspect is not with God anymore. We, we're going out into eternity. So you can erase that one and don't argue with me later. <laughs> I would like to enjoy going up on my first rocket experience <laughs> into heaven. Well, that's what this week we celebrated the 50th year sitting in Furniture Gully Technical School in front of a black and white television <laughs> watching the moon landing and uh, them taken up in that rocket and there was a race to the moon. But Christians are going to go up a lot faster and a lot further <laughs> and a lot quicker all, than all that. And we are to comfort one another with these words. Are you looking for permanent sanctification? Amen. Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearance of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Look for it to be permanently. In the meantime... Do Romans chapter 6. Memorise it, go home and study it and think about it. Because we need to meditate upon these things. And if we're being tempted to sin, next time sin comes knocking, I'm dead to you, I'm a dead man. <laughs> Can't do it. And that has to happen often during the day. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the encouragement we can find in endeavouring to live the Christian life with your strength. Lord, bless us as we endeavour to do that and be a, t a testament, an example to people about us. And Lord, thank you for the promise that you're coming to receive us unto yourself, that where you are, there we may be also. And that could happen today, right now. And Lord, we thank you for that promise. And let us live, as John said, purified lives because of this promise. Bless us now as we go as sanctified people. And Lord, if there's somebody here that's not saved, they're not even positionally sanctified, they're not set apart, today may you grab a hold of their heart and spirit by your spirit and convict them of sin, of righteousness and judgment to come and that they need to be saved today and not put it off and then start growing as a Christian. And bless us as we part and bring your purposes about in our life. In Jesus' name, amen.